Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Sitting here again with uh, Tom Dorian. Tom, greetings. Welcome. Wonderful, wonderful. You got your radio voice on. That's I, right. I hear. I flipped the switch. It's got good. my radio voice on. Sounds good. All ready to do a show. Look good. Sound good. We've got here a we great go. guest sitting across from us here in the uh, luxurious corner booth. Fantastic guest. That's right. Sister Mary Philomena. Yes. Correct. You are with the Sister Servants of the Eternal Word. Yes. You guys are in Birmingham, Alabama. Is that right? Yes. Awesome. See, now you've got these one-word answers down pat, but we're going to elaborate now. We're going to reach deep down into your soul here, Sister Mary Philomena. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Uh, It's nice to be here. You know, a lot of people might want to know, I would get emails every once in a while, especially from young ladies who are just kind of interested in a calling that they might be hearing, that they're drawn to the church. Maybe they're drawn to be a, a sister, a nun, a uh, cloistered or not, or, or, you know, I don't know where I need, but I feel like I'm feeling called to that as you were, you know, not so long ago, I guess. 19 years ago. 19 years. You only look like you're 12. Yeah, so is that exactly, even possible? Exactly. I don't think that's right. I think that's a youthful radiance <laughs> is what I think. It is clearly well, sister. If, if, uh, you know, before we start talking about what a young lady might think about doing in that setting, let's first talk about your particular orders, the Sister Servants of the Eternal Word. What, and you're usually known as the Sister Servants, right? Is that Correct. right? If we, now, what do you guys do? What is your charism or what is your focus? Our focus is retreats and catechesis, but right now we do it mostly through the retreat work. Ah. So on weekends, we bring in a retreat priest, and people come from all over really the world. We've had somebody from Australia hmm. and France and most, most of the United States and Canada. And they come for a weekend retreat, and um, we do the behind the scenes. Uh, you guys make it all happen. That's right. Right. That's awesome. Now, the, talk about the retreats. What what kind of retreats are the, are they that that go on at, at the? And now, would you say that a retreat house, or what would you say? The retreat house. Okay, very good. So the because I hear people here um, in Memphis talk about going to Birmingham all the time. They're going down to see the sister service. Oh, how beautiful it is down there, and and they're so beautiful, and the uh, and the retreats are always spectacular. Well, so, what what is the sort of the driving charism, I guess, in 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 the retreats? Well, we bring in retreats to talk about different areas of the church. So we have some retreats that are women only, right? Some that are men only, some that are married couples. Uh, one of our most popular retreats is uh, mother daughter retreats. Oh. And um, but most of the retreats are for everybody and anybody. You need to have a retreat retreats for like radio talk show personalities. Wouldn't that be great? It'd be yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to go to that retreat because I need a retreat. Well, you can come on any of the retreats. Oh, I know that sounds exciting. So now, <laughs> what? Let me ask you this though: what, Why would a person? I mean, we talk about retreats, we hear about them a lot, but what are some of the reasons why you see that people need retreats? And because you've had you know hands-on and real-life experience with a lot of retreats there, especially over 19 years, I imagine. And so what, what do you think people get out of these retreats? Well, people, the, the world is so, people are so bombarded by the world. You know, they, you've, you're plugged into your iPhone or your iPad and the TV and your video games, and, and people just need to take a time away and focus on God and and get their 
their spiritual life more towards God. And that part's and, not easy, though, is it? I mean, well, the retreat experience makes it easier. Yes, I guess, but because in the world we are bombarded. You're right. That, and, you, know, you see the, you look at the family across the way, and they're all looking at their little devices. You know, they're, you know, yes. clicking away and texting and playing games and whatnot. And when you're at home, you spend a lot of time watching television, or a lot of folks do. And it's sometimes it's hard to sort of get away because you're constantly uh, doing the things that you have to do to pay the bills to. Make sure the dog gets walked and all these things that we have, these chores we have going on. I don't have a dog. I don't know why I even said that. <laughs> that was random. <laughs> yeah. But I guess the point is those are the kind of things that sometimes will actually keep us from God. And yet a retreat is a way that we can stop and say, hey, wait a second. What is this all about? That's right. And we in the retreat, we provide an opportunity where people can come and get away. And it's quiet. And there, we have a chapel there so people can pray in the free time in the chapel. We also say our prayers with the people so people can come and join us for prayers. And um, and just the property itself offers opportunity for people just to walk outside and pray. And, and then also people get to talk to other people and find out that they're not alone in the world. Yeah. That there's other people experiencing the same thing that they're experiencing. That's beautiful. Now, you also mentioned one of your charisms, charisms was, was catechesis. Yes. Now, so do you all, um, you stand at the front of a, a, a room and you're yelling at people and telling them <laughs> what the church teaches and that they need to get in line. Is that pretty much how it goes, sister? No, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I didn't think so. She's got such a beautiful smile. No she would way. never do that. No, no. I'm, I, of course I'm kidding. Uh, you yes. Know, what, how, do you, how do you fold catechesis into your sort of daily um, your spiritual presentations or how you operate as, a, as an order? Well, right now, um, most of the catechesis is done through the retreats. But uh, in, during the retreat, we have one sister that gets up and talks about some things in the faith and in it, showing different things that we have in our bookstore. And so she'll give little presentations using those items. Um, also, one day a week, a few of the sisters go to a small school um, that's about 45 minutes away, and they teach second grade for, for preparing for First Communion in a Catholic school. Oh, okay. And then they also teach eighth grade preparing for Confirmation. So these are really very practical things. Yes. Right? And how important it is that we would... Uh that we would be able to, you know, work. Can you know, hear the word catechesis? And a lot of people sort of back away and think, I don't want to have to take a test at the end of this. <laughs> and we and we realize that really that in learning more about our faith and what the church teaches, we actually get to experience more of the grace. It's a more fuller experience, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. So now, as um, as an order, uh, have you always been there in Birmingham? When you started there in Birmingham, Alabama, or where was the order started? Sister Service of the Eternal Word. It was started there in Birmingham. Um, we're 27 years old, and uh, there's 22 sisters. And uh, in that period, we were building the retreat center in the convent um, for about three years before we actually started the retreats. And um, now you guys have a you have a, a, a beautiful habit, right? And yes. Very distinctive, uh, beautiful uh, brown and the you're wearing the full habit. Tell me about that a little bit because I know a lot of people their experience of sisters may they may not be wearing the habits, but you you fully embrace uh, the the habit as part of your tradition. Have you found that to be something that is appealing, but also, I, and, and is it a very spiritual thing for you? Tell me a little bit about you uh, and wearing and wearing a habit. Um, you know, it, it's amazing. Wearing the habit is um, really a vehicle to to 
people approach you mm-hmm. and they come up and ask you, you, you know, you're in the grocery store and they ask you, sister can ask you a question about the faith or to please pray for a family member or a friend or even themselves. Maybe they're going through a difficult situation. And if I wasn't in the habit, they wouldn't know I was a sister to even right. approach me. And But they they feel free to approach me because of the habit and... Uh, well, unless now, if it was like Halloween Day, now that might be a little bit difficult. You, you, oh, yes, you told I, me a story about being in the store on Halloween Day thinking, what am I doing? Yes, but on one Halloween, I was sent to the grocery store. and as This I must walked, have been your first year. They were like hazing you, you know? Uh, it was probably the first or second year. Yeah. And I'm walking in the grocery store, and there's a big sign that says Halloween Costume Contest. And I thought, oh, no. Oh, that would have been I don't want to go in. That would so, have been perfect. So I went in the store, and I saw where they were having the contest. So I turned down another <laughs> aisle, and I hear people behind me say, no, I think she's for real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are for real. I can tell you're for real. So th- the habit then becomes a, a beautiful way, a testimony, right? People see that, and it's a witness. But what about for you and wearing the habit? Some people will think, well, I, you know, I need to feel more free and whatever do you do you feel constricted by the habit in any way or not at all i feel more free wearing the habit because i don't have to think about what i have to put on in the morning <laughs> or go shopping or right. you know it's for me it's very free so you go through your closet and go well i know what i'm gonna wear today exactly exactly <laughs> yeah, number know, two tom today's the second day of the week i'm wearing that that tom, one right <laughs> tom is a fashion hound and he'll take 45 minutes to an hour every morning that's to right what that's to me. wear yes well see so maybe you should be you know you're i think you're called maybe to experience something else not not to be right. it you can't to be become a, a sister servant no you cannot do oh. that but you could be able to be affiliated <laughs> with the sister servants you have any kind of affiliation programs or where lay people can get involved in in your order well not at this time like an official program but we have like a lot of people who come and volunteer and help us that way um that's good now let me ask you this if someone was listening and said you know this sounds like a great place and i want to i want to meet sister mary philomena um you know and how would they do that where how do they find out where you guys are and and as you have a website we do our website sisterservants.org okay sisterservants.org that's pretty pretty easy to find out and so you can also find out about the the retreats and Yes, and we have our retreat schedule about the sisters, our contact information, our bookstore, all of those things are awesome. There. Well, um, Sister Mary Philomena, uh, we're going to talk more to you in just a minute about really your own call, or you know, because some people might be listening, kind of find out. Well, what if I feel called to that, and what was her kind of story? So we'll ask you a couple of questions about that when we come back. But before we do that, I want to remind folks at home that we have a great website. It's www.thecatholiccafe.com. And also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And the, uh, the sister, sisters, the servants, sister servants, I can do this. Sister servants of the eternal <laughs> word. Uh, to find out more about them is sisterservants.org. Yes. Right? Wonderful. So with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Throughout history, God's faithful have experienced the spiritual benefits of pilgrimages. Because man is both a physical and spiritual being, God works through the created world, using things and places to help his people obtain a deeper intimacy with him. 
We see in the Gospel Jesus curing a blind man by rubbing mud and spittle into his eyes, and a woman being cured by touching the hem of Jesus' garment. In the Acts of the Apostles, people longed to touch merely the shadow of Peter, recognizing that it was connected to someone holy. Garments, shadows, and even mud, all ordinary things are used by God to convey special grace, because of whom they have touched. Places have also been treated throughout history with reverence. In the book of Exodus, Moses was told by Yahweh in the burning bush to remove his shoes because he was standing on holy ground. In the Old Testament, faithful Jews would make pilgrimages to Jerusalem to offer Passover sacrifice at the temple, as the temple's Holy of Holies was viewed in a special way to manifest the presence of God himself. At least from the 4th century onward, it was popular for Christians to make a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, to walk where Jesus walked, see the place where the Lord was crucified, and be present at the place of the resurrection. Pilgrimages in ancient times were arduous. It took months to travel from Europe to the Holy Land, with great risks of robbers and other hardships. In the Middle Ages, with the Holy Land being in Muslim control, Christians making the pilgrimage at often times would face death or enslavement. Today, pilgrimage is still popular as a means to strengthen one's faith. Millions travel to places throughout the world where Mary, mother of Jesus, has appeared to faithful, such as Lourdes, France, Fatima, Portugal, and Guadalupe, Mexico. These faithful travel on pilgrimage to ask Mary, mother of Jesus, to intercede for their healing or their spiritual growth. And of course, people are still making pilgrimages to the Holy Land. There is a grace that comes from a dedicated journey to a sacred place. With all of its struggles and hardships, the act of undertaking a journey for God helps the pilgrim further his interior journey. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here talking to Sister Mary Philomena of the Sister Servants of the Eternal Word, or Sister Servants in Birmingham, yes. Alabama. And so, you now you had told me uh, at one point in time, you were telling me that you actually were involved in like at the retreats, like recording things and doing uh, doing the setting it up so you can record the priest and then editing the comments and whatnot to help you know, get things uh, so you could package them and I guess make them available for people to either for purchase or uh, for spiritual enrichment, right? Yes, that's what I do on the weekend retreats. So you're an expert. So you're looking at us do this here. Are we making any mistakes yet, sister? Or are you just too nice (laughs) to tell us? I wouldn't know. I I just know my specific little thing that I do at home. Such a good sister that she would just be focused on her her duties, her calling. This is where I'm called to be. Well, so speaking of that, uh, Sister Mary Philomena, help me understand, you know, 19 years ago, was that when you made your final vows or would that have been when you started the journey? When I started, when I first entered and and started my journey as a sister servant. And how long does this process of vows go where you make final vows and all these kind of things? Well, your first year, you're a postulant. Right. So then you wear like a, a skirt and a blouse. Right. And, best. and then at the end of your first year, you you receive the habit and become a novice. So the first year, you're a postulant. This, 
next two years, you're a novice with the habit and a white veil. Mm. And then at the end of those three years, you make your first vows. And then you renew them every year for five. So at the end of a total of eight years, you make your final profession. So that's a long process that for is. some yes. people think like, well, it I've really decided is. I want to be a nun. Now, this is not me talking, Tom. Just right. don't get worried. So I've decided, a habit, <laughs> I know. I've decided I want to be a nun. You know, where, where can I sign up? And I'm pretty much ready to go now. Yeah, it doesn't really work that way, mm-hmm. does it? Oh, no. The church is wise in giving people eight years to discern your vocation. The, the community discerns your vocation. You discern your vocation. You know, and sometimes people four or five years think, no, this is not my vocation. Right. Hmm. So, well, that, but that's a, but that better to find that out now than later, right? That's right. That's yeah, right. that's well, that's awesome. And I, now, in those eight years that you experienced, were do you feel like um, that that you really just got affirmation that, that was the correct call, or do you feel like you developed and grew in love of the Lord over those eight years? How did what was that experience like for you over those eight years? I just always, um, I never questioned my vocation or. I just always felt that that's where God wanted me to be and that I was doing what he wanted me to do. Well, you're a unique person, I think. Um, and maybe there are other people that can do that. Sometimes it's hard for us to wonder, is this is this what God wants me to do? We, we're asking a lot of questions a lot. But I, I, I have in my life a couple of times where I've sensed like, you know what? I, I just know this is right. Or I just feel. I mean, I just really feel that. And so to be able to answer that is really to dig deep down there in your conscience yes. there and your soul to to experience that. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, so there are some sisters who do struggle and, you know, are always constantly, is this what God wants me to do? But I, I just always had a sense of peace in knowing that this is what God wants me to do. I never really questioned it. Now, but you probably didn't wake up, uh, you know, on Christmas morning, you know, when you were like six years old and think, you know, I think I want to be a nun. Or did you? No, no. Where did, where did where did that where did that when did you get that first inkling that maybe God was calling you to such a profound relationship with Him? There were uh, different things throughout my life, but I kind of came kicking and screaming. Oh, <laughs> you're and one of so, those, huh? Yes. Do you have any Do you have any sisters or brothers? Do you have a? Yes, I have an older brother and a younger sister. Very good. And um, I I never. It was just one day when somebody was praying with me, and they said. You need to open doors that you closed. And I thought, Ooh. that's what I thought. <laughs> Isn't that amazing how people will say that? That, I mean, that has got to be the voice of God. Oh, yes. And right? I thought, you realize that. That's so, amazing. So I said, okay, God, I'll look into it, and then I'll put it aside. You yeah. Because you already had plans for your life. Or, or Oh, yes, yes. What, what were those plans? I mean, what do well, you think? I, w- I had graduated from college, and I was got a degree in special ed, so I was working in hmm. that field. And I okay. just thought that that's what I was going to get married, have children, and right. you know, do what I was. And doing. yet, still, there was something tugging there, that, and so you had to open up a door that you had shut. Now, how that's did, right. does that mean that you had decided? Well, that wouldn't ever be for me. Uh, that's probably what I decided. I wow. just said, no, th- that's not for me. And and also, it was, um, you know, it's a confusing time when you you see some orders not flourishing mm-hmm. and so then you think well that's not a thing i have to worry about you right. know that that's not out why there would anymore. i get on that wagon because i don't yeah. know how long that wagon's going to be going mm-hmm. that's right not yeah. specifically speaking of particular orders but to say that maybe you would see that as not a place that would be bearing fruit for a long correct the long haul and so that would be easy maybe to dismiss that i guess yes uh, to say it's kind of like going and buying eight track tapes, mm-hmm. you know. I guess you wouldn't want to do that. No, no. <laughs> no. However, again, still God was sort of continued to call. Was it a yes. loud 
call, or was it was he whispering to you? It was probably a loud call. So I, I knew I wanted a community that wore the habit, had community life, you know, what right. you think of when you think of religious life. So my, my parents were coming to visit EWTN, and they happened to be at the live show, and Sister Louise Marie, one of our other sisters, was mm-hmm. at the live show, and my mom said, oh, my sister's thinking of, my, my daughter's thinking of religious life. And Sister Louise Marie said, oh, here's the information thing. Oh, it's another mother. Oh, yeah. 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 Are you sure that's what your daughter's thinking about? (laughs) So then uh, I wrote to the sisters and came for a visit. And then I entered. Wow. The rest is history. The rest is history. That's awesome. So now when you, when you, when, at what point in your, um, in this, this eight years, do you select a name or is the name selected for you? Or how does that well, when you receive the habit, you get your new name, right? And you can submit three names, but it doesn't mean you'll get any of the three. Interesting. M- Mother, the, Mother Gabriel, our superior, d- decides on the name. Well, but I have to ask: Was Sister Mary Philomena one of those names that was submitted? I chose not to submit any names. Oh, hmm. interesting. But it's the name I wanted. Okay, really? now, so you have to tell us about <laughs> yeah. this. Hold on. So now, first of all, I applaud you for saying, you know what? I'm I'm putting myself out there, Lord. I'm going to lay myself out here, and whatever name you give me is the name I'm going to take. Well, that's 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 very uh, brave because yes. she could have given you some kind of wacky. Who oh is yes, this? you know, and the one that people would make fun of, you know. Oh yeah, which I'm sure sisters never do that behind the scenes, right? Oh, There's no, well. <laughs> don't answer, don't answer. Don't, we'll have to edit that later anyway. I'm just kidding. Um, so, so now let me ask you this, though. Once you get a name like Sister Mary Philomena, now imagine most of the names have Mary or some form of Mary yes. in them. In, in right? our community, everybody has Mary or Marie or Maria. In their okay, name. very good. And But then the Philomena part. Now, did you have a relationship with, with St. Philomena? Not until after I entered the convent. Okay. Hmm. And uh, one time Mother... Uh, she got a whole bunch of um, holy cards of St. Philomena, and she gave them to us. And I was like, oh, this is nice. And I read about her and then uh, started praying to her. And I thought, well, this is nice, but I don't think I want that for a name. And this is, you know, several months before I'm going to receive the name. But she just kind of grew on me, and and now she's my little buddy. That's (laughs) awesome. That's so so neat to see that because I was wondering if you've – if that if you had grown in relationship to Saint Philomena, I did. Over your, especially over these nineteen years that you've you've oh, been yes. there, yes. That's, that's that's really neat. Now, as a as a as a human being, right? Yes. And trying to live a life that feels fulfilled and 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 purposeful, right? I mean, where are you in that? Like, do you think that you're like? This is fantastic. I just I love my life as as an now. You have to answer yes, by the way, just so you know. And, and mother's <laughs> going to be listening, and she'll say she better say yes. But I, and I kind of gauge that just from talking to you. This you know the joy. But tell me a little about that because some people might think, you know, the sisters have to be, you know, they don't have any fun. They're very quiet. They're very whatever. And I, it's like au contraire when I when I meet all of the beautiful sisters in several of these orders, I see so much joy mm-hmm. and so much life there. Tell me a little bit about that joy in the life that you that you experience in your in your vocation. Well, I find that for me, when you know you're doing God's will, how can you not be happy? Yeah. And you know, and when you're running from God, you've got as Saint um, Saint Augustine said, you know, you have that empty space in you until God fills it. Right. And so, but once it's filled, you find true joy and true happiness and. Uh, 
and so you just well you know especially for those people out there who might think that you know well, i don't want to be a sister because that's just you know that's for people that failed at this or failed at that um you know and and really there's real joy so it's it's like a destination now i mean you you guys have pretty good strong locations oh yes. uh, you know and it's it's beautiful to see that um and and again to see the joy that you're experiencing now i know a lot of the listeners might be wondering how do i find out more so the sisterservants.org is that the place they would go to find if they were wanting to talk to someone there about vocations about a call they might be feeling well the the that's okay <laughs> they, they would go to the sisterservants.org and um and there you know they could from there send an email requesting information or uh to ask their questions or the the phone numbers there and they can call Right now, or sign up for a retreat. Or sign up for, yeah. And that's the first thing we always encourage people to do is to come on a retreat where we can meet them and they can meet us. And yeah, awesome. That's a great idea. So anyone listening who's just thinking that God might be calling, Mm -hmm. calling you to do this. I mean, going on a retreat or hanging out with you guys is probably a great thing to. It'd be fun anyway, right? That's right. It'd be spiritually enriching anyway. So you get the double, you know, whammy. Uh, that's that. That's plus you get to hang out with Sister Mary Philomena. Oh my gosh, how much fun would that be? That's exactly right. <laughs> yes, too much fun. But look, you know, um, I will say that if if there was just one thing that you would leave with someone listening right now who's just they don't know that they want to be a, a nun or a sister, mm-hmm. they don't know that that's what they want in their life. What what would you talk to if you were talking to a young woman that said, "Well, I, I don't know, I feel like God has a call for me," but how would you address that, or what would you say to them? In terms of like answering whatever God's call happens to be for them, whether it's marriage or whether it's, uh, you know, a religious order or what, to to really pray to God of what He wants them to do in life, and if they feel that they might have a vocation, you know, then maybe you should at least look into it and and maybe try it. In the sense, because you can't try marriage and say oh, that's not my vocation, oh, and then right. decide to go to religious <laughs> life, but. If you do, if you feel that's where you're called, and w- what God might be calling you to do, to to go and investigate and try, and and if it's not what you're called to do, g- through the superior, through the community, or through yourself, you'll figure, you'll go on and say, okay, this is not what my calling is, and. Go Sage on. advice. Very beautiful. And maybe you need to open up doors that you've closed, right? That's right. That's Just right. Just be open to God's prompting. That's right. S- Sister Mary Philomena, thank you so much for spending time with us here at the Catholic Cafe. We've been blessed by it, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I hope you come back and see us. Thank you. So let's close in prayer, and let's ask Our Lady to be with us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full Lord of grace, grace, the Lord, Lord is, is with, with thee. thee. Blessed, blessed art thou among women, women and, and blessed, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.